Hello, this is Peter Lucas, and what you're about to hear is a conversation I had with Houston artist Jamal Cyrus. He and I are old friends, and we sat down recently in his studio to talk a bit about his early influences, his creative process, and uh, how he sees his work at this point in his career. This is on the occasion of his first comprehensive museum survey, which is currently on view at the Blaffer Art Museum in Houston and uh, traveling to the Institute of Contemporary Art in Los Angeles next year. So the conversation is about an hour long. It was rather impromptu, and as you'll quickly notice, it has a very casual and formal tone. Um, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you glean a little here and there that you might not have known about his life and work. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Um, all right, so I'm here with the visual artist Jamal Cyrus, a great artist, and um, I have an appreciation that is not unbiased because uh, you and I go way back, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've known way e- back, way back. We've known each other for decades. We went to. HSPVA, the High School for the Visual and Performing Arts, together, mm-hmm. and ran around and... Uh, well, actually, kind of latecomers to the art department, and I think that might be another reason why we were... That's interesting. Yeah. Remember, I was in vocal. I had forgotten that piece of information. Yeah. Your life could have gone <laughs> a whole different direction. I mean, that did, like, continue to... Like, breathe my love for music. Yeah, you do. And kind of like, you know, I'm not a musician, but, you know, I understand a little about scales. And, you know, just that kind of, you know, um, intimacy. Like, it, it created a little bit more of that. Yeah. You know, so. No, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, also a latecomer to the art department, but coming from another school. Yeah. But I was in the art department with a, uh equal love of music right definitely. right so i remember right. a lot of what we were doing running around was yeah listening to music and we also weren't um this is interesting i, I never thought about it in this way before though hmm. we also weren't plugged into the main kind of ways of getting noticed in the art department which is mainly through painting and drawing yeah that's true so we were both kind of camera based lens based yeah. artists yeah and for that reason and yeah no, so we're slightly on the outside, and then that's slightly. interesting. I never thought about that, yeah. but we were we were running around, yeah, and kind of just exploring Houston, right? Listening to music, talking. But I also remember both of us would have cameras. That um, I had a, I had a video camera. I would sometimes use a Super Eight. Yeah. I think we both had Polaroid cameras. Yeah, I had a plastic camera at the time, one twenty kind of medium format plastic camera I would use. Yes, I love that stuff. And, you know, uh, I guess we had our first shows. That's right. Our shows together. This our senior year. Our senior show was together. But anyway, so because we knew each other when we were not only teenagers, aspiring people, we were also aspiring artists. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of really into art, culture, and observing and things. But as you say, without specific, uh, without rigid definition to what that was. Yeah. And because yeah, we yeah. began on the, yeah. on that uh, kind of open road together, I feel like I have 
not necessarily the best perspective of you or your work, but a, a really unique perspective, a kind of bond with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, we both have kind of had a trajectory from there to do a lot of different things. and it's, Sometimes the same thing. Yeah. 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 And it, it's been interesting to see that evolve. And this is a nice time to sit down and talk with you a bit because as we speak, you're currently, you have a show up at the Blafferart. Uh, museum mm -hmm. that is your first survey retrospective survey of 15 years of work it sounds pretentious but it's a it's a mid-career that's what they would technically call it that's assuming you're only midway <laughs> it's kind of putting that's an end true. date on it well according to the <laughs> you know to the average lifespan this should be my it should my be mid i think they're telling you look it's not don't go on forever. That's, yeah, no, so we'll no, see. No, but I, I <laughs> what I think is interesting about that is, um, well, I'll say this. For me, as a viewer, I was able to see the show, and it was really nice to see all that work. A lot of it I'd seen before, mm -hmm. but in dialogue with each other. In concert, it's yeah. A, it, yeah, it's in concert, and it's a compression of kind of a lot of your ideas able to kind of play against each other and with each other. Um, and... I'm sure that that's pretty interesting for you. It's a compression of uh, it is of, of, of a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's as you were saying, I haven't gotten this opportunity to um, look at the work in that way before. So yeah, it's uh, it is. I think it's it's going to definitely be a learning experience. And one of the things that I've always struggled with you know, for better or for worse is kind of like knowing what my artistic personality is, right? Like I have some idea. Yeah. But like if I'm going to say what are those things that really kind of, you know, I've kept with me over the years and, you know, it's kind of, that's that's a little more difficult for me to say. And I think this show will, will um, you know, help me to, to think about that and do I want to you know, develop those things. You, you probably some of those things I can't get rid of. You know, yeah. but just becoming more aware of who you are is 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 can only be helpful. Seeing all the stuff, kind of looking yeah. again from yeah. a little bit of space, you can look at something that's five or ten years old. Yeah. At yeah. the same time, you can look at something that you did last year. Right. Also, I'm sure you're kind of confronted with more input from other people. That's true too. You're talking with a lot of you know people. Yeah. This conversation with me right now. Uh, but you but you're talking with a lot of people there's a catalog coming out mm -hmm. people are writing about your work and a lot of a number of great people are yeah so yeah that is an interesting time of i would think your own assessment of yeah. kind of like what's working what am i holding on to in this next phase a kind of punctuation a, a yeah. chapter it term. is and i mean that's so we did an interview um yesterday and when they asked me about the end of my beginning right mm -hmm. like the title of the show is the end of my beginning which is a, which is based off of a, a a piece which i did in 2005 2006 which is this kind of models train model scale um scene of a blizzard but in you know that's kind of a, uh, engulfing this this two-story kind of suburban home right but instead of it the it being snow it's black hair right right and the time in which i was making this work um i was really kind of engulfing myself in the uh 
you know, the histories, the ideas of the black liberation movement, right? So the end of my beginning is really kind of like, you know, this, uh, I don't know, rumination on, on, on a black liberation in, in that moment, like how many people really felt like that moment was, yeah, that's what was going to happen. Um, and so, but the title, but the title, the end of my beginning, I, I, um, I'm thinking about it as like, this is the show does kind of section off a certain part of my, my development. And then I'm kind of going into a new phase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of force yourself to go into a new phase now. Yeah. Have a retrospective called the end of my beginning. beginning. You pretty much say there is a new. Yeah. I mean, and coincidentally we're all kind of going through these these <laughs> these yep. beginnings too which which is which is very interesting um yeah the past year has forced us to all kind of take stock yeah of what, yeah what this kind of revision yeah it's a perfect title for a retrospective survey uh-huh. it's interesting that the title comes from one of the earlier mm-hmm. works from one of your works yeah <laughs> yeah i would say um Going back to the thing about looking at uh, an exhibition, um, one of the things, you know, that I don't know, I feel like all artists should be like involved with is finding a, a unique voice, mm-hmm. right? And I really, yeah, like that's what I'm hoping this will kind of get me closer to, you know, finding a unique voice, which is, you know, which is an artistic concept, but it's really, I think, most. I think most obviously, like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a musical concept. You know? Voice, you think of it in terms I, of that. I think like those 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 musicians that that we know, like the first three seconds. You know, those are the people who are able to tap into that. Like who? Uh, of course, Miles Davis, um, Monk. Monk, Donny Hathaway, mm-hmm. um, you know, Betty, the, the list, you know, Bob Dylan, like it, it goes on and on, right? Um, we know not only we not only do we have a sense of their uh, the areas in which they're exploring intellectually, but we also know their tone, their their tone, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, um, I know that happens in in the world of visual art too, but maybe it just doesn't happen as Clearly, as maybe, yeah. Well, I have a dozen music. I have two things to say about that. First of all, you, um, I'm sorry to tell you this, you already have a unique voice. Uh You are the probably the worst person to To actually see it. it. Okay. And and I do think that this this show and this moment is probably a good thing for you to go. Oh, okay, that's what it's doing. That's how it's working. Yeah. I don't know how much you know this. I know you're a humble person, but you're very well known and respected in Houston. I feel like around the country, you are seen as a as a unique voice in contemporary art. Um, Thank you. I I now that I say that that it comes out of my mouth, I, I fear that your whole career is gonna go down the drain after this. After that, no, I mean this is. I mean this is this is. This is the only thing that I can do. We are only we are on some level. We are doing the only things that we can do. Yes, don't tell. <laughs> don't tell everybody that. <laughs> so we can't stop. That's we true. Can, yeah, we That's can still to do this. Let me ask you some questions about 
where you come from, especially now, I'd be curious. I'm interested in your influences. And, you know, I actually don't know a whole lot about your upbringing, your childhood or whatever. Mm. What was the what was the household and what 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 kind of art, music, books, things like that? Were you, what what of the creative arts were you exposed to coming up? Well, you met my mom, you met my dad. Yeah. Um, okay, so and you know kind of where the neighborhood for the most part where I grew up in, that kind of thing. Well, I didn't know were you, did, were you always in since fourth grade. In Missouri City. Yeah. Yeah. And like but in terms of the of the, the household, it's it's music, right? And really um mainly gospel music all right who is record collection no like my mom was a gospel singer my uncle is a professional gospel musician and songwriter okay yeah so you had singing in the home uh-huh mainly singing uh she also played the clarinet but by the by the time that uh, you know by that time she was she was mainly singing and she you know my mom could have been a you know professional singer but um for one reason or the other, you know, didn't choose to go that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But my uncle did. Okay. And still to this day is a yeah, professional musician. His name is Michael McKay, V. Michael McKay. Um, has, you know, written songs for Yolanda Adams, most notably, and others. And um, But in the, in the local Houston music scene, it's, it's fairly gospel music scene is fairly well known mm-hmm. so i think there are two things for me um that are important um one is the thing about music but also seeing how the the kind of music like that was a kind of music that would basically put people into um ecstatic states yeah and that kind of thing right so it's it's a really a mystical quality to it Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. now so that was it and then also i feel like how we use music in high school you know to develop our identities Mm -hmm. in that kind of thing was also very important yeah and um you know yeah, that's you you probably got this, and I know not to cut you, but you you probably got this as well. But I know I did in high school that I was basically a music snob in high school. I mean, that's what I was called. I didn't I, agree with that. I, I I'm sure that some <coughs> people called me that, but we were also at HSPVA. We so also at HSPVA. I had friends going like, "Oh, check out this like exactly Thelonious Monk Live or whatever." Too, and, and you're like in, <laughs> in junior high, well, yeah. like. You know, um, we were. You know, I got called. I got turned on to Sun Ra and as a as a junior. You yeah, know, yeah. so we no. had a lot of time to spend with these ideas. And I, you know, it's funny that you say that you were called a music snob. Yeah, I feel like we were the most open people to all kinds of music because, I mean, I, I remember us busting things on each other and saying, "Oh, check this out," and it would be whatever. Be yeah, rock, jazz, yeah. pop. You know, hip hop was. Yeah, happening in really interesting ways, and I don't think we were judging immediately. On no, that. I, well, let's see, this is the thing about the music snobs: like you judge other people based off the oh. music that they consume. Okay, maybe we did that. A little. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we did that. A little so, bit. but but you know, but I we, mean, this is with high school, and yeah, so really, just probably just judging the kind of narrow lanes because maybe we so, because so. we had kind of such a wide grasp we yeah. were listening to 
De La Soul at the same time as Sun Ra, at right. the same time as, you know, so. Joni Mitchell, same I mean, time as. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, James Brown. Back to, though, it's really interesting to me that you, um, your main kind of creative influence when you were growing up was not only music, but the direct experience of music and also music that's really connected to its effect on people and spirituality mm -hmm. and, and that that's pretty interesting and it is prevalent in your work that. yeah yeah i think music is a um as a as a social phenomenon a historical marker or document um as a transcendental force like that's that's all in the, in the work mm -hmm. now just to burst the bubble of the music snob thing mm -hmm. before you got to pva you probably listening to some i don't know I don't want to out you or anything like that. <laughs> listen to what? What do you think I was listening to? I don't know. Let me see. You know, I bet you had some spins of some like whatever. Echo and the Bunny Man probably wrote. That was that was that was yeah. That kind I'd of still listen to that stuff when I got to PVA though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that <laughs> but so that's the other kind of creative outlet, um, which really is about the body and stuff with skateboarding. Mm hmm But in terms of the what the your question about the home. It was it was mainly music. Like I really didn't have any visual and 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 primar stimuli. primarily almost all gospel music in the house. My mother did like War. Mm -hmm. She really did like Donny Hathaway. She mm -hmm. liked Stevie Wonder. Right. Um, yeah, I would hear those uh, Dionne Warwick. Right. I would hear those kind of things. Also. And what about art in the house? Did you have no, not really religious iconography. No, not not really uh, religious <clears throat> iconography either. So, yeah. I mean, there was a sense of, like, interior design, but no, like, real artworks in the house. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't really know how I... I started drawing, but but also, like, starting to skate in, like, um, skateboard graphics, like, that, you know, in the body. Like, that was, that was a thing that maybe started to, um, to create a visual sensibility in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, again, is connected to physical experience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and then moving through your trajectory did you you went on from pva to study art to start to come into your own mm -hmm. and study more things than art um obviously as well but are there there are there certain key influences that put you on your path um amy blakemore was mm -hmm. very important I studied photography with her at Glass Ale. Mm -hmm. That's when, and that was still in high school. So that's when that kind of sparked. Um, I mean, really, like in high school, you know, peers are very important, mm -hmm. right? Um, but then once, say, I went to UT for a second, I didn't study art there. At the time, like, that's when hip hop was really starting to, to bubble. Mm -hmm. And at the at the time, Austin was a wasteland for that. So I came here to Houston, yeah, not knowing that hip hop would go to Austin mm -hmm. after I lived. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> but I came here and uh, enlisted in uh, Texas Southern University on at the recommendation of my mother, who had graduated from TSU and had been aware of what John Biggers was doing. Okay, all right, but. That wasn't really shared with me earlier on. But she knew. But she knew. But that's because of his 
his presence on campus and kind of like his his wanting to get art like on the campus and in that neighborhood you mm-hmm. know okay so um and when i got to tsu you know i had like this kind of art awareness but not really like an awareness of black contributions in the, in the realm of visual art but, but if you remember 91 92 is also like very uh, culturally heavy moment mm-hmm. you know because again the burgeoning hip-hop movement and some of the politics and histories that were getting tied to that yes yeah so being on the campus of uh hbcu at that time and then like meeting all these people and uh who in our department um i don't know that was just a that was a mind mind mind-blowing experience or like you know really sparked you know another phase in my my development as an as, as, an, a, as an artist and also like just kind of awareness of myself, you know, mm-hmm. which started in high school. But like once I left high school, you know, and I was kind of on my own. I wasn't in a in a school environment, you know, took on, you know, yeah, increased in pace. I was able to do reading that I wanted to do. And I was in Austin. I was on campus of the university. And so, um, yeah, all of that stuff was, was right. really. Yeah. And that was a, it's hard to convey those times. It is. Especially to, you know, younger folks who weren't around, but it was exciting and it was also kind of crazy. It was. I mean, a lot of things were happening, you know, in regards to drugs and crime and all that stuff. But then you also had this really vital cultural force that was going on in regard to to hip hop music and um, yes, uh, and other other kind of things as well. Um, like within, you know, so like the grunge scene, like Nirvana and all those. Yeah, like that was kind of also happening at that time period. And uh, yeah, there were a lot of new developments that seemed really of the moment and yeah. exciting. Yeah, uh, and in in a way, not really. Not really that commercial based. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like still kind of That's true. You know, indebted to a certain kind of politic or values which wasn't just about commercialism. Right. Which I think is is really it is interesting about that moment, you know. Um and I don't know if you ever think about this, but also growing up, we're in the South, mm-hmm. you know, and in some ways I mean I'm coming into contact with this information as public enemy, for instance, mm-hmm. um, some of the trap called, you know, just those, those kind of like vibes, right? Like coming into contact with that for the first time growing up in the South, mm-hmm. you were also coming into contact with that yeah. <laughs> for the first time growing up in the South. Definitely. And so it, it, it was, it was a, um, it was a unique time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, while we're on, while we're talking about Public Enemy, we're, while we're talking about hip hop, that stuff was really perfectly timed, especially in terms of the art, of the sort of renaissance of sample collage music, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was really added uh, uh, an explosion. Yeah, at yeah. the time that we were kind of budding artists, right? Right. So, and and also at the time that Houston itself very much seemed like a collage. I see a lot of that aesthetic in your work. I, I feel like that. a lot of it is in my work too. I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, I'm not sure if people look at it that way. In but, that way. But I. But you're working a lot with collage and assemblage, and yeah. and the juxtaposition. You know, putting 
different things together to see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. What, what what new happens? Yeah, I mean we <clears throat> in that that kind of music. In a way that did shape my sensibilities, like like in terms of, um, yeah, just tying together cultural material. Mm-hmm. And I do think Houston, in many ways, is is indicative or urban environments. But I think on some level, you know, Houston also it 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 it, uh, it replicates it. It, it yeah yeah it that. feels like that. Yeah. I mean, I in a different city back then too. Yes, than what we live in now. Yeah, yeah. Also being in the south. We might actually have more connections to the ingredients in those concoctions than some other people in different parts of the country. That's because um, yeah. we were listening to the actual original funk and jazz albums mm-hmm. when they would then come out in as ingredients yeah. in, the, yeah. in the concoction. Yeah. At the same time, a lot of people went backwards from hip-hop to f- discover those things. Mm-hmm. I feel like we were... Yeah, finding them at the same time, and uh, yeah, just sonically also, it's, it was just a different time. Yeah, I mean, and it, of course, it makes me feel old, but I'm, I'm just thinking about like KTSU mm-hmm. 90.1, like those were you would turn them on, yep. you know, back then and just have a really different experience than you do now, you know. So. Yeah, right, and even even the mainstream stuff was different. Anyway, yeah, that's true. Wait, that's I got to edit all of the stuff that makes us <laughs> seem like a hundred years old. <laughs> but I I I I kind of wanted to bring up hip hop because your work one aspect of your work is um uses utilizes interrogates reconfigures um physical media. Mhm. You're working a lot with physical media objects, books, mm-hmm. records, mm-hmm. papers, uh, you have created album covers, sort mm-hmm. of translating the whole, you know, the whole experience of an album cover as a kind of conceptual thing with image and word and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, uh, Jet magazines, uh, uh, all kinds of even FBI papers and things mm-hmm. like that. And I do, I wonder if um, some of that resonance is perhaps starting to get lost on younger people that don't have an experience with physical media with physical media you know i i I don't know i can't relate to but i'm sure like there are people who have only really heard music streaming right who uh they might have read the autobiography of malcolm x on ebook i don't know i don't know listen to it on audible or whatever yeah and so uh that's an interesting thing because my experience with physical media is is such a part of my experience of your mm-hmm. investigation of it mm-hmm. i don't know if that's something you think about but there's a lot that's changed in the 15 years that has that this work spans in this show for instance yeah it, no. that's been the life of a kind of real big shift away from uh, mm-hmm. physical objects and things like that i do think about that um and partially i think about that in relation to the chance encounter, yes. right? And I think that 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 has been I don't know, like that's that was a part of 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 that that way of navigating the world and navigating the media environment 
um, the process the, of discovery. The process of discovery, right? In a way that maybe does not exist now unless you search something and then you go to images. Mm-hmm. And then all, and then you maybe go a few pages down the, down the line and mm-hmm. then other things start to pop up. Yeah. But I think, yeah, for, for, for us, it was happening more, um, more seamlessly in a, in a more integrated fashion. And slower in a way. And slower. So yeah. that you were following a breadcrumb yeah. to something else. Yeah. As opposed to like click on this breadcrumb and a million things pop up. Perfect example of this, right? Um, well, one, I'm sure you've, you've, you've purchased a lot of records just in, you know, through looking for something else. Yes. Once, once. But um, I don't know if you remember this, but... When I was in Austin, so right after uh, high school, I was trying to find Miles's electric period, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't really know what to. At the time, really, there wasn't a lot written about that period. Yeah, yeah, there it, weren't re-releases. There weren't really re- unless you were getting Japanese imports or right. something like that. So, and so I had to go get all of these cassettes until I finally got to um either bitches brew or big fun or mm-hmm. one of those right like but by that time <laughs> i had got to see all the all the miles development yes. like from you know like all blues to like nefertiti and water babies to like fear to come like i had and i was and so when people would ask me about miles davis who wanted to hear the i would give them like an older <laughs> Yeah, but like that was, I think like that was, that wouldn't happen nowadays. You know, yeah. you would kind of just you would you would you would find exactly what you're looking for very quickly, and you wouldn't be in a conversation with somebody. You wouldn't be like, "Tell me, what is this miles?" That yeah, you would just, yeah. I, I actually love that there is more access to more people of more stuff, but it does intrinsically change that kind of discovery process, right? And right. I know that that is that happened between us all, a lot. Yeah. when we were younger is I would hand you a tape and you would probably just listen to the entire tape multiple times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that certainly happened this yeah, way. Yeah, anyway. of course. Um, <laughs> That's the way it was. Right. Yeah. There was, mm-hmm. that, there, there was that time and there was a human connection and I could come back to you and go, that was really interesting or that blew my mind or I didn't like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it would lead to kind of another thing. And um, the same thing happens with Education, you would have relationships with teachers, community spots, uh, whatever, uh, snobby record store clerks, right. all of that yeah. stuff. Um, it did allow for chance discovery, which you brought up before, I think, uh-huh. which is that you can set out on a path with some very clear things that you want to investigate, but without defining the parameters of that. Mm-hmm. And you can see what comes. Mm-hmm. And you can explore something almost on repeat Mm -hmm. you could uh you didn't have all of john coltrane you had this one john coltrane album right that means you're going to not oh i've heard love supreme that means yeah i have been listening repeatedly to a love supreme and that is a different experience and that may lead you to find a certain phrase in that's true love supreme yeah um that's kind of part of the process that I feel when I check out your work. I 
I don't know quite what your process is, but I feel like you have a, a real ability to kind of take in elements and kind of find little spaces, phrases, little moments, and really kind of investigate those things to where you can take kind of concepts and kind of approach them as a refrain. Hmm. That's interesting. So, really for me, like, collage is based on um, collision, mm -hmm. right? And and I kind of think the collision is indebted to the chance encounter, right? Like, of this thing that you totally, like you said, you were setting out on the path, but then, you know, some came into your path that you totally didn't expect, and sometimes that's good, sometimes that's, mm -hmm. that's bad, or, you know, but... Um, I think collage is based off uh, when it works best, like when those two things are, are vibe off each other in a certain way, you know, or like unexpected. Yeah. Co collisions. Collisions. Yeah. That's that's what I try to that's what I try to create. And I think um, the artistic environment that we grew up in and the way we were consuming media and culture is is it's in line with that. Let me back up and just kind of ask, how does a lot of your work begin? How does it begin? Do you begin with a sort of investigation? I do, but more like a hunch. Like, I know... So, I'm, a lot of the work is indebted to history, right? Like, but I'm not a historian. Mm -hmm. And, and I, like you said, I kind of pull little moments, uh, whether events or figures, style, stylistic kind of elements from a certain period and try to try to go with that. Because I do kind of realize like on some level, um, like those things are important or they have a larger resonance, right? Yeah. And so um, there, there are two things kind of happening, like, I am interested in things which are part of my education, right? But I'm also I'm also interested in cre trying to create that collision, mm. right? And essentially trying to see something I've never seen before in that way, mm -hmm. right? And so um, ultimately, like, yeah, that's what I'm kind of into, and that's what I'm trying to create uh, visually, like these. They're teaching moments, but they're teaching moments that also have like a, a visual or a formal impact. And I don't think about myself as a formal artist. So, but I know I do have a certain kind of stylistic tendency. But um, what do you say? You don't. I don't think about. I don't. I don't think about form in that way. I don't think about like color and. Um, in shape and that kind of thing in that way. Really? Yeah. You should go to your show and... I, 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 <laughs> I know it's there, but but that's not... I, I am more so like into material yeah. and into image. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Your work is very physical. Um, I get a lot of texture. Okay. From, yeah. yeah. From... That is your yeah. work. I, I I feel like that's something that is unique. It is part of why I asked about kind of physicality, physical media, things like mm -hmm. that. Those influences mm -hmm. is because you're. I mean, you're working with denim, and 
cut paper. There's a tactile sense. There's a lot of hand in it. Yeah. 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 Is that an important element to you? Is that? So I would say um, I'm not sure, but I would say that in my work, I usually, at least the sculptural things, a lot of the sculptural things are made from things that, um, I guess the things that I really end up spending more time with are things that I hand, that hand get handled, mm-hmm. right? Um, that, that get run through a lot of processes and um, uh, or breaking down in a way and then reassemble. So, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say that that is important. Um, part of me has a sense that, um, yeah, I don't know, just spending time with the material is important in terms of what it becomes or like for me, in, 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 important in terms of what it eventually communicates, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like I usually do pick materials that um, already have kind of an embedded history in them, right? Right. But maybe it's also important for me to spend time um, with these materials, handling these materials, manipulating these materials, in order to um, to communicate with them what I what I'm trying to say with them. You know, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I just. I know that's kind of a mystical thing a little bit. But, that is. But um, is there that's a, just kind of how that's that's kind of how it does happen in the studio. Would you think of your process of that relationship between you and your materials as a somewhat mystical experience or Well, okay, so I'll, I'll tell one story. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been looking at the quilts of G's bin for a long time, mm-hmm. right? And I eventually saw one in person which was a, 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 a quilt that was made out of um, denim. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, so I was really struck by it. One, because, you know, the tonality of it is, is really beautiful, but also, like, on the face of the, of the quilt, there's all these lines, like stitches that, that run through them, some of which are functional, some of which are not, mm-hmm. in my, my, my recollection of it. Mm-hmm. And so, in my work, like, there's also... Um, often this thing about line in the work okay so you know for that reason i liked um you know i like these pieces and i wanted to do something with these pieces now denim to me was also uh kind of material i was i was uh wanting to work with because i had been seeing these photographs of uh stokely carmichael like in the like mid to late 60s mm-hmm. and they were he was wearing these denim overalls right you know stokely carmichael um a very uh important figure in the late civil rights early black power movement yep. and so for me that material started to have um a certain connection to that politic mm-hmm. right so i wanted to i wanted to use that uh, or tap into that in a different way and also a lot of the sculptures start with photographs right um so got these blue jeans you know my uh kind of default this partially comes from a richard Serra verb list do you know that richard Serra mm-hmm. verb list? okay mm-hmm. tear these things up reassemble right? right so that's so that's what i started doing but you know the stripping is also a, a process or a technique in quilt making right mm-hmm. so i was doing that with the jeans and you know, people were coming into the studio and they were saying, oh, you know, I like the use of indigo in, well, you know, the 
the color which is used to dye dye the jeans. Right. And you know it has this this at least indigo in America has this this history which is very similar to the you know the history of African Americans, right? A lot of indigo that ended up in the United States was from West Africa, grown over here, mm-hmm. like the people who were. Okay, um, so just kind of mark that. Um, and one day, I start to uh, because that was you know that was kind of on my mind, and then the thing with Stokely, Stokely Carmichael, and I just started to to. I think I Google political significance of denim or blue jeans, mm. you know, because it's like this really American thing and it's like this teen thing and, you know, James Day. It's, it's a lot, Is potentially a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. And um, I find out that denim was one of the fabrics that during the uh, late 19th century was one of the fabrics that was worn by, you know, um, the enslaved or lower class blacks and lower class whites, right? And so much so that it was called Negro cloth. It was one of the uh, the fabrics that had the designation of a Negro cloth. Mm. Okay. Now the only reason why that kind of made sense to me is because when I was in South Africa, I went to this uh, to the prison to the prison uh, where Mandela was. And one of the things that they would do between black Africans and kind of like, you know, South Asians within the prison is give them different clothing, right? Um, Different fabrics, but also, you know, blacks might have, African blacks might have um, like kind of short pants, you know, whereas, um, you know, South Asians would have full pants. Mm -hmm. They also had a different diet. Right. So it just started to make sense to me like, oh, yeah, like this, this, this fabric itself was was uh, a way of stratifying society. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as, you know, denim, good denim (laughs) is made from cotton. You know, who picks the the guy? So it was all these things. And and it's still. um, And that was in the process that you're working with it, that you're discovering. That was that was before I, I was I was just initially uh attracted to it for these other reasons but then the process of of researching more about it all of this other stuff starts to come up um and you know for that reason it just becomes really like a a really important material for me to work with and continue working with um in the way that i am in that uh i'm kind of tying in these these two things which is um quilt making all right but but also within the quilts, I normally, uh, or I'm starting these denim pieces using these, these FBI memorandums again. Mm-hmm. So that's just the kind of uh, what came out of handling the material, trusting a certain hunch. And, you know, it, it just kind of reveals this other history to me that and I wasn't aware of. And simultaneously exploring sort of different trajectories of the same con- yeah. concept. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you don't know exactly yeah. where it's going to go. You just know that it has resonance, that it has possibility there. Mm-hmm. And to trust, yeah. And to, yeah, and to yeah, trust your own it. journey with it. Yeah. Which is very much like the trajectory of a lot of improvised music, especially. Yes. Well, let me ask you about vessels, because I feel like that's a big... Uh, that, t- that tends to be something that I think about, especially with this show... Po- 
comprising a lot of different work. Okay. The media objects are, in a way, vessels mm-hmm. for information and kind of transmission of um, spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly a book is that, a record can be a vessel for that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of uh, indicative of the effect, I think, of a lot of your work, which is that the work itself is a vessel for you to, that it carries stuff more than it states stuff. Okay. That it carries a possibility. Uh, it's more of a, um, uh, an object or, or, or an image that's imbued with possibilities and a lot of resonance. Okay. As deep as one can or wants to go, there is mm-hmm. the ability to, to do that in your work. Is that, so is, does, that, does that sound right? I mean, that's what I get from it. I, 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 when you said vessel, I started thinking container, yes. which you were kind of talking I, about. I, but I, uh, yeah, a container for migration from one point to another. Yes. Um, I mean, you do, I, you do have actual containers. Yeah. And I, I think that that tends to, for me to kind of start to look at a lot of the work as containers. As containers. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. But, I mean, I do... So, I've also kind of, like, realized that I've spent a lot of time... um, Growing up in Houston, since high school, I spent a lot of time at, at, at really two museums. At the Contemporary Arts Museum, Houston. Yep. At the Manil Collection. Yes. Since high school. Mm-hmm. And also at the MFAH. My, you know, the thing that I kind of realized about the about the Manil especially is like, yeah, like this melding of spirituality um, and, and modern art, right? That, that, that as well as um, the imaginary um, which exists in, in that collection, right? And mm-hmm. that you get time and time again after repeated use. I'm right. not, or not use, I, I repeated visits. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it, repeated experiences. Experience, repeated experiences. So I also spent a lot of time, um, you know, looking at African sculpture in that, that museum. Um, and also I didn't, you know, I didn't finish um, the thing about influences, but one of my main influences, especially in, in undergraduate, was Dr. Alvia Wardlaw, who I took African art history and African American art history from, and really um, like learned a lot from her. Right, mm-hmm. um, and so one of the things that I became really interested in, um, particularly are those things which you would you would call power objects. You know, mm-hmm. these things that you say, like, as you stated, they are, they're sculptural, but they are vessels, right? Mm-hmm. They are, they are containers <laughs> and they're containers. They're vessels that contain and they're vessels that take you from one point to another point or vessels that protect you or vessels that, you know, yeah. So I would say like that, I, I, I loved, I would love to be able to create things that have you know, that kind of functionality um, in regards to African-American or Black American and American culture, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so uh, 
So yeah, in that way, I would say like you're right. And there, there are a lot of um, I I haven't I hadn't used that word before to, to, to talk about the pizza, but there are a lot of vessels in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said that you'd like to create something uh, that has that acts as that conveyance. Uh-huh. Um, do you think about uh, the viewer, the audience? The do you think about the effect of the communication? Do you think about who the audience is? Do you think about how that conveys? Do you think about what might be an effect? Or do you more so create the work and... And then share. And then share it. And then see what comes of that. I normally create the work and then share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially initially. Right? But um, I do think within the work, too, I'm... I'm there, there's a. I'm, I'm, I'm. I try to um, always take another step in the works a little bit. Like even if I'm using the same material, I try to continue to push it one way or the other, right? Because there's still other ideas that come through, like the denim pieces, right? I'm wanting to make the denim pieces thick, mm-hmm. like, which is going to take a lot of work, but to to make them like about an inch thick, right? Um, in that they that they come off the wall and have another kind of presence, um, so that's why, in, as well as kind of increase them in scale, and and visual sort of weight. To yeah, yeah, kind of visual weight. So mm-hmm. I I feel like I I'm always trying to do that within the within the work. Um, yeah. So it's still it's still engaging to me on some level, right? Right, because um, I, I hope that if it's engaging to me, it's engaging to others, right? Yeah, but you're not saying I want to, uh, I want this work to function this way. I want people to kind of get this message more so. No, you're uh, no. putting it out there. Maybe I want people to feel a certain thing, mm. but again, I think that that starts with with me, right? Yeah. I, I I would say I really fought against trying to be topical when I was in graduate school. Yeah. Yeah. Because of my work was, you know, dealing with these histories that, you know, were political and kind of in, could be of the moment, mm-hmm. you know, and then like as a black male, people are kind of wanting you to make these statements, whatever, like, and, and so I did resist that. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not singular statements. They are more of these areas that the viewer can ponder I guess yeah I mean and they could engage with them formally <laughs> or they could engage with maybe the histories a lot of a lot of times I don't leave a lot of that yeah I do like drop a seed or something like that yes um, so yeah well let me ask yeah. you then on that note how do you feel about didactics for your work because there is something with uh, um, in this recent show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we can talk about that recent show where it does clue you in on some parts of the concepts and the process. And I think those are very helpful to yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and in order to kind of direct their uh, experience of, of a work to kind of know a little bit of where you're coming from or what the source material is pointing to. Um, they're helpful. I'm okay. I think you did a really good job. Yeah. And those are those are came out of conversations that we had and research that he did on his own. And so, I think I think they strike a good balance. Yeah. Yeah. But now without the same works, 
without an accompanying, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps just the title. It's, they're a little harder to, to access. Well, yeah. I don't even know if it's about hard, but it's... In, in their entirety, maybe. Yeah. yeah. The, it, there are some, there are some things that the viewer doesn't know about where you're coming from. Yeah. And I kind of wonder how you feel about... I'm okay that. with that. I mean, and, and I do... Um, and that goes back to the thing about spending time with the work, enough time with the work to where it can live on its own, to where it doesn't always need a didactic or mm-hmm. need me to be there to tell people right. in order to have some kind of impact on the viewer. Yeah. 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 I don't know how people do, but I always look at work before I read the, uh, okay. a, a label. Yeah. And then I'll read the label, and that often will in your case certainly compelled me to then look at it again okay so i often have two experiences of a work that that builds you know um but i'm thinking a lot about this it might be more about me than you this question because i am thinking a lot about uh uh, language and you know how much you want to define how much one might want to define an experience and one might want to leave it open yeah, no. I mean, I I think too. Like, so I'm I'm going into this uh, this section in my work where um, I don't know, just this thing between um, black spirituality and black political resistance. Like, I'm you know trying to to meld these much more. Mm and um, kind of try to show the links that have always been, right? And trying to make this more of a part of my work, right? But um, but I think in order to create um, richer work, right, about that topic, I'm going to have to, like, not talk about that. I'm just going to have to make the work or talk less about it mm-hmm. and try to make the work... Um, do more of that job, you know, um, because I, I think on some level when, when you when you're talking about spirituality or whatever, like language can only go so far, right? Right. Um, so that there, so that's what I've been feeling lately. And it's interesting that it's interesting that you bring this, the, the you know, the topic up about language, because um, I really I I. Um, I'm aware that a lot of contemporary art is, is about language, you know, and its structure is language. Um, and I do make te- text-based works, but I think some of my text-based works are more about the voice. Yes. Right, than, than about anything else. Um, than, so, I don't know. But I think I'm getting to a point where I am... I, um, and wanting to, to leave, yeah, the explanation a little bit, you know, um, so the abstraction might increase in the works, and yeah, so we'll see. But you're hoping that it's conveyed more viscerally through the through the work, through yeah, the work. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if that's possible. Right. I mean, but but you. Because Miles Davis was not writing about his voice, <laughs> Coltrane wasn't either. Yeah, <laughs> and he does—he didn't even really want to. 
I don't know if you that have you listened to those interviews with uh, Frank Kofsky and John Coltrane. No. Yeah, they're they're in this. Uh, he's asking him about the work, and he just he, do, he doesn't really have a lot to say about it. Yeah. You know, obviously he's thinking a lot about it and living through it and doing all this. Yeah. Right. And there were liner notes, but I don't think either one of those figures, for instance, would appreciate too much dissection on those liner notes. Right, right, right. But they said so much in the music, and so that's that's what I would love to to get to. Right. Well, now you're also a teacher, Mm -hmm. a a teacher, professor, father, kind of mentor. You've worked in education, informal and informal ways. So I wonder how much of that, uh, um, how connected that is to your artistic process. Is that um, different branches of the same tree, I guess, or? I, I think so. I mean, I think, I, I do think like that's the sharing part of, of the more. So for instance, if you take Odeming and Jones and what Odeming and Jones may work about and what I make work about, it's the same thing, mm-hmm. right? But I do think it's, you know, I'm not making work with those with three other folks, but but I do think it's 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 a uh, it's a little less didactic than than maybe the OJ work was. So, I guess I'm saying that to say um, there is still an element of sharing in the work, but then there there is also like a more solitary kind of quest also mm-hmm. like in the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you say that your teaching style is like that as well in terms of I would say yeah I mean I'm more interested in like my students finding the chance encounter uh, research right um, so, so slowly building up the work yeah those are, those are the things I'm, I'm more interested in with, with teaching like that's my teaching style right yeah I think some of the key educators who have influenced me have been the ones who weren't teaching teaching yeah they were yeah. actually more kind of letting me you know, guiding me a little bit and encouraging me to go exactly. down the path. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A, pe- a teacher who was very um, important for me, who uh, who that was his teacher style in undergraduate was uh, Fletcher Mackey. I don't know if you know Fletcher Mackey, mm-hmm. but he's uh, he now teaches at Micah in Baltimore. Okay. So very very yeah. Um, and then in graduate school, Terry Atkins sculptor late sculptor terry atkins also right. very um important and that was kind of his his way as well now some of that might be from my and we might share this sort of generally generationally mm-hmm. um my disdain from anybody who says things to uh authoritative uh, yeah yeah and anyone who says this is this i'm like yeah <laughs> oh no but <laughs> yeah i mean i I agree with that. <laughs> we were we were products. We were, I know we were not born in the '60s, but you know the kind of the educational style, of, and yeah, we're the results of that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Well, I mean, that leads to something that I've been thinking a lot about, which I'm curious what you think. I, especially as I develop and get older with my artistic process, also writing and curating things like that. I'm more driven to go beyond sort of simpler categorical thinking. Yeah. Um, but I also see culture kind of going actually weirdly more into uh, categories, categories and subcategories. 
I, I know less of you that you don't think of yourself and your work in terms of categories. Yeah. Um, you also interact increasingly with a society that does in mm-hmm. terms of your work being in it. Mid-career, you're... Uh, yeah. That's I, I don't know if you've been miscategorized or anything like that. Artists bump up against these walls of being kind of locked into what type of thing do you do or whatever mm-hmm. with that kind of categorization and so i kind of wonder if you i don't think about it too much i mean i, I mainly consider myself to be a sculptor interesting but so i'll just take an example there's one there's one piece in the uh the exhibition which is like the so it's a mosaic planter it's called ballad for, for a child. child um so it was pushed toward the wall and she was like, you need to push that toward the, like, pull it out into the gallery more. And uh, I agreed. To, I did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it does create a more kind of varied experience of that, that line. Right. I don't know if you know the one I'm talking I about. Do. Okay. Because it pulls you away from, you kind of have to go like this. And it's like a more unique kind of experience. Um, and you have the shadow. Yeah. But. But that's not how I make sculptures, though. I don't make sculptures for that. That's that's not in my sensibility. I, I, I do think, like, the sculptures I try to create are more about, you know, as you, you said, the, the vessel um, that is going to hopefully carry you somewhere. And, and, it's, and, it, and it's usually a lot of those sculptures are also based on photographs, right? And they're kind of translations of, of these photographs. Um, so with that being said, maybe I'm not a sculptor. I mean, see, it, that's, it, see, that's exactly what I was asking. You said the only category you could come up with for yourself and then instantly. Kind yeah. Of like to... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm into material yeah. and I'm into images. Yeah. Are you a conceptual artist? Uh, not in the ways that you would traditionally think about. Right. You know. So that term is kind of pulls it away from what you. Maybe in, in maybe a Houston conceptual artist. Like, <laughs> just think about the people who've been through Houston. Yeah. Right? Like, they're a little different from. They're a little your, different. Yeah. They're a little different. I would say like maybe that's what I kind of that's the environment I grew up in and the kind of stuff that I also started to like feel like you also have a kind of healthy dose of if I'm able to be categorized if I'm actually doing one thing it's probably time or maybe past time to progress and tr- try to push mm, yeah, past that, that, that would be my yeah artistically yeah that would be my the way I would approach it yeah Hey, so this has been interesting. Thanks for Thank you. talking with me. Thank you. We I'm, covered a lot of I'm very territory. happy to be here uh, at the midpoint of your at the midpoint career. So we'll see where things go from here. Yeah, yeah, I'm very interested to see where this journey takes you in the future. Yeah, and um, very glad that you're in Houston, Texas. And one one of those things that I'm excited about about this city is thank you, is thank you, you. Yeah. thank you.